0: Like a machine. All town, to get down. Vanilla smoked sea salt seasoning is for seafood. The tarragon and fennel bring out the natural sweetness in seafood. I also use it in rice dishes, on yams, asparagus, blueberry pancakes, and believe it or not, chocolate chip cookies. Vanilla smoked sea salt adds a salty and savory component to sweet dishes that create a symphony for the tongue. Ooh, I like him.
1: (laughs) Quick! The Quicker Picker-Upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times
0: more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty. The Quicker Picker-Upper.
2: When you're looking for the latest information on Southern University sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU Athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show,
0: exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. (laughs)
1: what that was but hey hello and welcome to a live edition of the ong strike zone i'm brian fulford that's kelvin rosier chicken and jiving or or, or bopping along to the hundred and joining us uh from from his uh from his uh home studio marcus green marcus kelvin how you doing brothers
3: doing good it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood
2: I'm feeling good, man. I'm um I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. Missing my boy Kofi.
1: Yeah, uh as you can see, we're we're missing the uh fourth member of the team uh as he had to take care of some some family things and so uh I know he may be watching us and jump in. Those of you who are in the chat rooms, you may catch Kofi um in in the chat room if at some point during the show. So I want to give a quick shout out to the folks who are already jumping in, joining us on YouTube. Uh, Looks like Kenneth Rozier was the first one to jump in today. Um, Man, you know, beat Tamra T and Mary 305. That's like, that's rare these days, you know, that somebody beat them. Uh, B. Stark's in the house. Dr. Laurie's in the house. We're going to talk about that coming up a little bit later in the show. Uh, Tamra T. Uh, Dr. Strachan's in the house, uh, uh, Corinthian Morgan, J. Mac, uh, Marcus, what up brother? Uh, good to see you. Good to see you folks. I'm sure there's some folks there on, uh, Facebook as well. So we will get a chance to talk to everybody and, uh, you know, be a part of the conversation, but don't get, don't get out of control because Dr. Lori has the, uh, She's she's the sniper, so if you if you get out of if you get out of sorts, you know she will defend hers. So uh, and us, so just just be aware. You know it's it's a place for rattlers, but others are welcome to come and participate. But don't get out of control. You know that she 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 will remind folks. So I love that about her. Uh, a lot of lot of news uh, to share regarding uh, regarding that coming up here a little bit in the show. Uh, we got plenty to talk about, man. We you know we I like. I like, guys, I like when we have opportunities to to shake up the internet and shake up folks. And we did that again the other day, uh, you know, over the past 24, 48 hours. A lot of folks in the SWAC, a lot of folks in Alabama have been in their feelings. So we'll, we'll talk about that coming up a little bit later. Um, but uh, we got football to talk about. We've got uh rattlers doing things at the combine we're going to talk about we've got uh some sweeps to talk about we did some sweeping and we got swept so i mean it kind of par for the course i guess this time of the year right um so we'll get into talking about all that as well uh again want to remind you guys go and hit that thumbs up button on youtube facebook Uh, if you're watching the show on twitter Go ahead and uh, be a part of the show if you can by jumping into those chat rooms or just simply hit the retweet button, share the show, Uh, share the show with a Rattler. We got to start growing our numbers. We got a nice, nice fan base, but let's go ahead and, you know, if everybody commits to share the show with a Rattler or two every day, this thing's going to start to grow and it's going to pick up momentum even more. So we appreciate all of your uh, support. Um. Okay, so let's, before we start talking about the spring schedule, let's talk about the uh, HBCU Legacy Bowl, which is going on right now. Uh, Obviously, you know, we saw um, uh, Isaiah Land out at the Reese Senior Bowl. This week is the HBCU Combine and the 2023 Legacy Bowl, which I believe will be played on Saturday. Uh, You guys jump in and tell me if I'm right or wrong about that.
2: Yes, Saturday at 4 p.m. in in NFL Network.
1: Okay, Saturday, 4 p.m. in NFL Network. Uh, 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 This is year number two. Uh, We've got this year, we've got Xavier Smith, A.J. Davis, Chris Fadul, and uh, Jose Romo Martinez participating. So I mean, we've got we, we've got the probably the best punter, best place kicker slash punter, uh, and and definitely uh, Xavier Smith is uh, making some making some impressive noise after just the first day of combines, where many of you had a chance to. Uh, hopefully, you have seen the clips now, where uh, Xavier ran. A four three nine forty. He ran a four. I think he ran two of them. Maybe a four three six and a four three nine. So it wasn't like it was a fluke. A sub four four, which that combined with his route running and his film and his story, yeah. um, all of that. Com- I'm gonna tell you just personally, and I'm, I'm gonna let you guys talk and get out of the way. I loved. His conversation, I think it was Steve Weiss,
3: mm-hmm.
1: where he broke it down worked. the three the three players. I wish we had that soundbite. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't thinking we were going to go this route, so I didn't have it. But hearing him talk about his game that compares to three different NFL players, I, I mean, that sold that. If that didn't sell a GM, I mean, I mean, he was he was poised in his what he said how he said it and he said it with that with that showtime smile man zay xavier's got a great smile and you can tell he was he had a smile on his face when he talked about it uh kelvin and Mm -hmm. then uh jump over to you marcus kelvin what's your what's your impressions of what you saw day one xavier or just our rattlers in the legacy bowl
2: well first of all he should be in the nfl combine uh, with his production over the last three years, uh, along with his uh his his background, right, everything from how he walked on, worked at Amazon, you know, he's a self-made guy. He put in the work. Uh, he always has been productive, and he's played his best games actually against the best teams. I remember, uh, what was it? He had about seventeen catches against USF and. Probably eleven or so against um Southeast Louisiana, so you know he's produced when he had opportunity. He had what eight catches against uh North Carolina, I believe, mm-hmm. so um you know his production is there, and uh, I think the scouts wanted to see that time because of his size, and uh, now that he's put up that uh that those numbers in terms of that a sub four four, um he checks all the boxes in my opinion. Now he becomes, um, he becomes he into the conversation because he can return kicks, punts. He's done all that. He can help you on special teams. I think he's uh, potentially working himself into a late round um, pick potentially. Because um, I mean, you know, you, you listen to him interview, He he's a ticklet, he's a graduate, he does everything the right way. And he's an excellent teammate. So, uh, I, I you know. All he, all he needs is an opportunity, and I think he's earned it. Mm-hmm.
1: What's your uh, thoughts, Marcus?
3: Agree wholeheartedly, and I'm just, I'm just pleased at the growth that you've seen over the years, and it, it all came out in that interview with Steve Weiss. I mean, it's just, I wouldn't say it's first time on the big stage, but now you're talking to people who are NFL network regulars at a combine, and you can just see the growth in terms of – his presentation of himself and compared to maybe two or three years ago when coach Simmons first got here and, and coach Simmons did make a he made a one of the articles or even made one interview said he made a pointed a point of interest to make sure that the players were part of the postgame interview process so that they can get comfortable and acclimated to speaking to the press and speaking to reporters one-on-one and you see that in that interview with Steve Weish and just I've forgotten the three wide receivers. He could, he said he wanted to take their game. I know one was um, one was the speed of of Cheetah or down in Miami. His name uh, Tyreek Hill, and he said I think the route running of um, DeAndre Hopkins. And I've forgotten the third person, uh, the hands of somebody, but I can't remember. But just to have that in his back pocket shows he was prepared and that he had the presentation. That back up his physical attributes and his physical and his talent on the field. So I'm looking forward to it. I know a couple of years ago, I was thinking we'd have three or four folks uh, that were potentially draft worthy coming. This is pre-COVID. So I thought um, Xavier Smith was one. Definitely thought uh, Marquise was one. Wasn't sure about Chad, you know, but after 2019, I thought he was up there, you know, if he came back from injury. And there was a fourth, well, and Chris Faduel. So I thought all four of them had a, a good chance. And it's good to see that at least three out of the four are potentially or in the process of realizing their NFL dreams.
1: Yeah, if anybody if anybody in the, in the chat room has that exact quote, I, I think you got like pretty much two-thirds of it there. Um, go ahead and post that because – that was a winning quote. I, I, I mean, I expect to hear that quote that he gave over and over again. And, and I, I saw Tamron T. mention that uh, he was interview ready. Uh, yes, indeed. He, he was interview yes. ready. You talk about great preparation there by uh, not only Xavier, but uh, who, whoever – whether it be you know his his representation or maybe obviously maybe coach Simmons or anybody there at, at FAM um who who helped him be prepared uh he was 100% prepared for his day
2: mm-hmm. and
1: uh you know you, you you're not, it's not luck that that's when you know I know I know uh there's this thing about you know when when opportunity meets preparation and and so that that that's that's your that's your same case and example right there. Um, hey, hey, Brian. Let seen.
2: me let me add. Let me add, uh, Brian, that yeah. Steve Steve Smith, a uh, mm-hmm. uh, former NFL wide receiver great, as uh saw that too and noticed noticed Xavier and is going to do a a um segment on him, mm-hmm. in the next week. I,
1: I saw that. I saw that. I'm gonna look forward to that because uh, I, I like Steve's commentary. You know, Steve. Steve. Play, I mean, he, he's probably about the same size as Xavier. Yep. To be honest, I mean, I, I don't think I don't think there's much difference in height factor uh, of either of those two. So, you know, there, there's a guy who, especially if he gets a chance to have a one-on-one, I mean, I can see Steve Smith talking to, to Xavier and saying, "Hey, look." Nephew, you know, I mean, they got the same last name. I'm sure there's no relation, but uh, you know, I can see him saying, "Hey, look, I'm gonna tell you everything you need to be there." Because mm-hmm. I mean that that kind of presence, attitude, and moxie is what Steve Smith yeah. played with, and I mean, he was a damn good. Yeah. He, he might, I mean, might be borderline Hall of Fame receiver. Steve yeah. Smith was. I, I don't know if he's got the, the the wins or sort of the winning team behind him, but he is definitely a a Hall of Fame caliber wide receiver uh, especially you know somebody under six feet tall you know if, if you even go that mm-hmm. with those kind of uh yeah and i sent him whatever, a so
3: i sent him a reply to that tweet i was like hey you know why don't you take a little trip down to uh where it all started from so I'm trying to get him to come to tallyho and do a little uh, feature story on him he ain't respond so i don't know yeah. he's gonna do it but I at least yeah. send it out there well hey
1: but but he's already committed to, to doing more, mm-hmm. which is which is great. And that, that's what it starts. And so we'll kinda we'll kinda see what uh, if we kinda keep our eyes open for AJ Davis, who I, I think is a quality, good running back. And I think he showed he showed some impressive skills against North Carolina. So, you know, we talk about guys playing against division one and having a chance to shine. And I thought A.J. did that. And, and it's hard for running backs, but uh, he'll get a shot. And this is for Jose Romo Martinez. I think what will be good for both of those guys is that Greg Coleman is there. FAMU Hall of Famer, uh, Black College Football Hall of Famer, the legend, uh, one of the greatest kickers, punters in uh, in NFL history. Uh, he is there. and I, So I'm looking forward to seeing a segment come out where you have – Uh, Greg kind of talking with, uh, with, uh, uh, Chris and Jose. So that should be, that should be pretty good. Should be definitely pretty good. Um, four o'clock on Saturday is the game. Uh, I think FAMU is well represented. Obviously, we have four guys. I mean, that's like second most to anybody, uh, that's at the, uh, at the uh, combine i think there's a different total of 36 different schools represented so this thing is this thing is moving well well done um all right so uh try, and, and let me ask kelvin you did mention zay being a part of the regular combine i know isaiah land is i gotta imagine there might be an opportunity still to get an invite um after this
2: tip. I mean maybe tip. yeah tip yeah, typically there's one or two guys that might drop out, or there's one or two guys who are deserving that it, you know they reevaluate going up to the uh, combine, which is in March, uh, in uh, this year, and and they you know they they invite one or two more players sometimes, so it's it, it's possible. Um, they had to be impressed with that time, and and you know he already had all the other accolades, so it it it's possible, but. All uh, 30, however many teams were represented are at the HBCU Combine. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: No, another thing, this
3: is in general, one thing I was trying to assess, like even a couple of years ago, when you look at the NFL, they're giving some exorbitant contracts to quarterbacks, left tackles, and defensive ends, you know, in the free agent market. So what, from from my opinion, and it, it, you know, we have to see if it bears out. But it's a boon or opportunity for HBCU players, just because if you're given that much money, then you have to, you may have to be able to get quality players on the, on the inexpensive end of the pay scale. So there may, I don't know if that opens the door. But you know, some of those uh, salary con, like the salary cap, maybe. 10, 15, almost twenty percent going to one or two players. Then you got to fill the rest of the roster with quality players that may be on rookie contracts or undrafted free agents. So I don't know if that's another opportunity that presents itself just the way that the the uh, the market is going in the NFL. But it may op- open the opportunity for more of our players to get drafted and make it to teams.
1: All right. Speaking of uh, guys who uh are uh, looking at or playing professionally and opportunities and getting drafted and that let's transition over to uh Jalen Spady who made his debut this past weekend with the X- XFL's Orlando Guardian team um he's an offensive lineman uh, I'm just checking the roster now he's still on the roster uh so that's good you know still still <laughs> made it through the first week uh, by, by all accounts, first off, did you all watch any XFL games this past weekend?
2: I did. I, mean, I watched Mark that game is- and some other games, yeah. Yeah. I like uh, how about you, Marcus? Did you
3: get a yeah. chance? No, I did not. Did. did not get a chance.
1: Just busy or you didn't have any desire to watch it?
3: Just busy. Running around right. doing All stuff.
1: right, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I, I I got a chance to watch a little bit of it. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch Orlando Guardians. Uh, of course, I live in Orlando. We usually have pretty good spring football teams. Like we had a, a team when the NFL made a blip a couple years ago. We had a pretty decent team in a previous life with, uh, uh, I don't think it was XFL league before that, the first XFL team. And unfortunately, by all accounts of people that I listen to, of all the eight teams, the worst team was the Orlando Guardians. Now, I don't know if that's because they have a horrible quarterback in Paxton Lynch, who I don't know. Now, this there's no reason why, why uh, give me give me a name of an HBCU quarterback uh that 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 uh, the last couple years, um, Glass. I have no idea why a quill glass can't get a shot in the USFL or the XFL. Uh, maybe he yeah. is in the U- somewhere. Somebody tell me. I, I but think, I think he watching, is. Is he really? Okay.
3: Right, because, let me double check.
1: Ooh, I'm, I'm telling now, you, there, young there man some that, bad,
3: bad young quarterback man, um, play. Uh, from, um, the young yeah. man from Bowie State from a couple of years ago. I don't recall his name. I know Amir there are a couple. Yes. Is and he on a roster why? He- I don't know. Um. Uh, there's like the New Orleans Breakers at least as far as December signed Akil Glass in the USFL. Is
1: that USFL? USFL. Okay. Yes, and
3: this is right. as of so December. He, yeah, so he, I'll he, try to he, find something. Right. I'll try to find something closer.
1: So the thing with Spady is Spady's an offensive lineman. He's blocking for Jamine Martin, who we're very familiar with, uh All-American A&T. running back with the North Carolina Ante. That's the running back. Now, DeAndre Francois, who a former Florida State quarterback that then went to Hampton, he's at um um, um he, he's with the Orlando Guardians. So really, I mean if they get rid of if they get rid of uh paxton lynch i gotta imagine that he would get an opportunity right i would i would hope i would hope
2: yeah I, yeah um, i watched about a couple of quarters of that game brian and um the, the the offense for orlando just wasn't um wasn't creative and and it was a lot of martin and you know he's not explosive back he's a power back so it was really predictable and so that's why people were so down on him because Cause it was boring. The offense was boring.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think the, I'll double check, but I think the ironic thing is, I think we offered him back in the day. Yeah, Lynch. we did. I think he was who's we. He was a wishbone or, or like a, a <laughs> quarterback out of out of Jacksonville, and we offered him, and I think he got a last minute offer to um, Memphis.
1: Wait a minute. His wait, claim a minute to claim. wait a minute. Rewind that. Rewind that. Rewind that. We, meaning we, fam, you,
3: fam, you. Yep.
1: Obviously, under uh, obviously, what the previous administration, Homes. I'm sure.
2: Your oh, home. Oh, Jesus. I think.
1: Oh. Six, seven. My man, he's bad. Uh, but anyway. So, okay. Well, you know. It, you shoot your shot. Sometimes it sometimes the shot hits the hits the back of the rim. Um so hey, and, and thank and thankfully the ball falls outside of off the net. and uh, not in the net rather. Uh so yeah, we, we'll keep an eye out on Orlando and hopefully uh who's the and, and uh the coach is is it Terrell Buckley?
2: Terrell Buckley. Yeah, yeah. T Buck,
1: okay, so T Buck is the head coach. Okay. All right, well, We'll, we'll see. First-year head coach. Uh, obviously, he's been coaching, but is a first-year head coach, which is another interesting thing that I liked in the XFL. You got a nice mix of older guys, and you got about four, three or four former guys. Like, you had T-Buck. You had Hines Ward. You got a couple other guys in there that are actual, you know.
2: Head coaches.
1: Former NFL think, guys. Heck, Reggie yeah, guy. trying to be, Barlow. Reggie Barlow, uh, he might be in the
3: is the DC coach. Oh,
1: he is okay. Okay. I uh, know I know. He's, I know he's one he's, Pep Hamilton. He's
3: what? He's one of in one of those leagues, but I think he just coached on Saturday. So I think maybe XFL okay. cuz they played yeah. it's like He yeah. a, it a
2: low he, Yeah, he's game. the head coach
1: of
2: the he's the head coach of the DC Defenders. Mhm.
1: All right. Um, well, in in other spring football news, the USFL had their draft today, or it was a yesterday. It might have been today.
2: And yesterday, uh,
1: I believe in the I believe it was the fifth round. Uh, Isaiah Land was drafted by the Pittsburgh Maulers uh, in the uh, USFL draft, uh, and and I find that. Uh, a great opportunity to to have options. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, congratulations to Isaiah. Um, you know, obviously the dream is to be drafted by an NFL team. But, hey, look, you can't discount the fact that, what, if an opportunity comes up with another league. Now there's three leagues, right? And two, you know, all of them are here domestic so there's opportunities and it, and they all look like they've got television packages behind them uh there seems to be some relatively good experience coaching um you know the, the question is the talent level and and so the opportunity to shine is there so um props to props to him to see if if he uh gets that gets that opportunity um Go, uh Kelvin, transition over to the announcement about the spring practice. Uh, spring practice dates have come out. What do we know about spring football? Because I know everybody's is uh, excited about spring
2: practice. So, the spring game is April 15th. Um, right. And that's the big. Thing on there, but um, I'm trying to find my notes here.
1: I do know there's only 15 practices, which is part of, you know, you can only practice uh, 15, uh, 15
2: times. Uh, yeah, and typ- and typically they practice twice during the week, and then they scrimmage on the weekends. That's typically the schedule. Here you go, right here. so they start on march 7th the first practice yeah is on is on a tuesday and then the next practice practice two is on a thursday and then um practice three is friday and then tuesday thursday saturday tuesday thursday saturday tuesday thursday saturday so that's kind of the practice schedule for the spring
1: so kind of three three days a week, pretty much. You get your Tuesday, Thursdays, and then you're either going to practice on a Friday or Saturday. Um, I wonder if one of those Saturdays even includes the uh, scrimmage. Um, normally there's a scrimmage that will be closed somewhere towards the end. Uh, you know, obviously the April 15th date will be the open orange-green game. But there's usually a practice. Yeah,
2: I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he'll keep it closed those two Saturdays before. um, Typically, they scrimmage that first Friday. They won't be scrimmage because they still be going through orientation process and conditioning. Uh, So starting with that second week of practices and that first Saturday, that's typically. And they do the same thing in the spring, I mean, in the fall also. Uh, when they get to the Saturday of the next week, once they get through the conditioning, they start their scrimmages. All
3: right. So right. I'm thinking we're so looking at the schedule. It up. looks like March 25th and April 1st. Those are the two Saturday practices before the, the, the final scrimmage.
1: Yeah. Um, Marcus, one of the things that we uh, I I know J. Mac has kind of jumped in there. And uh, one of the things that we talked about doing is kind of talking about some of the uh, positional uh, competitions that we expect uh, to see. So I know that's something that uh, I don't know. Have you started breaking that down? Have you started going down that rabbit hole yet of 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 looking at some of the battles
3: A little bit not in depth. I did read the article today by Gerald, so I don't want to, you know, I don't want to follow too much around his path. But I mean, he pretty much hit it on the head where I mean, quarterback, everything goes well. Jeremy should be a clear number one. Most of the offensive line is returning. So we're basically looking at replacement for Zay. And I think we have enough wide receivers, maybe not an exact duplicate, even though. The young man that transferred to University of Buffalo seems to have the same physical stature and perhaps the same speed. So there may be something there. But the biggest thing is probably running back and who's going to be doing the punting and the kicking. Because we've long, Femi has a long history of a solid special teams. And then going back to uh, way back when we had um, during the Ken Riley days, even before. So who's going to be our punter if the transfer um transfer coming in he was basically in the final running for the punter of the year he made the senior finals for punter of the year at the fcs level before he transferred so i would assume that he's pretty much a shoe in unless something happens uh, place kicker that's going to be the, the probably the biggest contest in terms of consistent production from a particular unit that we need to replace so we have two redshirt freshman kickers uh the young man from, Jack, uh, yeah
2: Jack Brooks yeah, Jen- from- Leon mm-hmm. and him
3: and he's also competing with um Leo Zoazo from who's I guess has been here a couple years from Miami Northwestern and then we signed a freshman kicker from McClay, uh Michael Smith so I'm All thinking right. they're gonna battle it out and we're gonna need one of them to be real consistent to make sure we get the same level of production and so I'm thinking that and running back I mean we have you know, Jalen McLeod is gone. Um, AJ Davis is gone. And so it depends on whether we're going to elevate or make, um, uh, make one of the return incumbents, the starter, either Terrell Jennings or whether, um, whether someone else steps like up to Jennings the plate. a lot in the
1: mixed. Yes. Jennings has been – he's been in the mix for like now – Three, four years now, three, four seasons.
3: Yeah, was are true right. freshman in 2019. But he gets that COVID year. Yeah. So you know, I guess he can has at least a couple years left. And then we got a couple transfer running backs. So we got Kelvin Dean. And we've got the um, – I don't want to mispronounce yeah, it. Yance. Yance. Yeah, Yance. And so, um, that's wide open. And plus we still have coming back from injury, um, Leland Wilhoy. Who's playing a kind of a hybrid, right. wide receiver role, almost, almost like um, a Zenday Ray a couple of years ago, and then you know you have Bo Somerset who has a similar, similar type of set. So it's wide open at running back, and I know last year we had a pretty anemic rushing, rushing attack, especially compared to 2021, where Bishop went off. So I just expect the biggest competition to be a running back.
1: Who was the – and I I, I hate that I can't remember the name because I was really excited about him coming from Georgia State, Uh, the young man and the running back that we lost in the spring game to the uh, Uh, ACL injury. Destin Destin Coates, Coates. yeah. So, I mean, assuming that I haven't heard anything, assuming that he's still around on the roster – have fully recovered. You know, I don't know. It's almost been a year now since the injury that happened in April. Uh, He could be in the mix. Uh, DeAndre Mm -hmm. Francis, another exciting young man who we've seen spurts. Like, we've seen days that were like, wow, that was the guy that we expected to see, and then all of a sudden we didn't see him. Uh, That might be just some of his youth and trying to take care of things off the field. So, yeah, there's a lot. There's so many options that the uh the the first if if guys were if guys were able to stay healthy and make sure to maintain and doing the things they're supposed to be doing off the field the first and second actually we could be three deep let's just be real we could really legitimately be three deep with sort of a power back and more of a speed back right so i mean that that might be something to look at marcus and saying how do we categorize these guys maybe like power back to speed back you know um and and see what we got you know kind of look at the depth uh from that perspective so uh,
2: the the good um, thing about the spring hey the good thing about the spring brian is that all these players we're talking about they're in spring camp and as far as uh the report is everybody's pretty much healthy so those uh you get you got uh 17 18 office alignment who are in camp and will be ready to go you've got uh all those running backs who are already here who are ready to go so you know we'll be able to get some real competition and um see see how see some things play out this spring and that's why I, that excites me i'm really looking forward to that mm-hmm.
1: right right so i i want to i want to make sure to say to everybody i know swede's out there in the chat room we will do the full deep dive podcast on not only just the recruiting class, the 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 the, the position breakdowns, all of it. It's coming. It, it will be before the first practice. We promise. We promise. Just give us, a, give us. We want to be thorough. Marcus wants to be thorough. Marcus has a life though. Outside. I mean, as much as i don't, I don't think this has a life. And you know we we ask a lot of Marcus, and y'all ask a lot of Marcus. Marcus asks a lot of Marcus, but I mean, look, we <laughs> we uh, we we gonna do it right. We are gonna do it right. So I promise, here mm-hmm. in the next upcoming days, we gonna we gonna have the full breakdown. <clears throat> um, yeah, February is a month. some pressure on. Yes, 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 yes. I right, hey, uh, we're running over our first break. Let's take a break. Pause for the cause. Uh, take care of our sponsors. Come back and get in some more talk. Uh, we got some we got some business to talk about. Alafamka, That's right, folks. We're gonna talk about how the rattlers rolled up across the border and did some work. Uh we're here watching the ONG strike zone. We'll be back in just a moment. If you think all pads are exactly the same, think
0: again. This is always Ultra Thins reinvented with the always triple protection system. This pad wicks gush is 90% faster. Absorbs
1: even more so you can feel dry and locks odors in. Rethink your pad for up to 100% leak free and odor free comfort with the totally reinvented Always Ultra Thins. This is Always
2: like never before.
0: Bounty versus the old family dish towel. Drying with a fresh sheet of Bounty leaves your hands cleaner than a used dish towel that can carry and redistribute food residue. So ditch the dish towel for better hand hygiene. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper.
1: Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, Marcus, uh, and uh, Kofi is out for today, um, but it may be joining us in the in the chat room. He's uh, taking care of some family business today. Hey, before we get going and too far into the show, let me make sure to give a shout out and mention our sponsor and tell you guys about the second annual Black Business Expo Tallahassee, uh, which will take place on February 25th. That's upcoming this weekend at the moon and is brought to you by Mega Ace Media and the Tallahassee Leon County Office of Economic Vitality. Black Business Expo will feature financial institutions, agencies, and larger businesses looking to partner with your black business. Tallahassee Mayor John Daly and Leon County Commission Chair Nick Maddox, special guest for the event, and they will be there to hear what goes on in our businesses. We'll give out $15,000 in grants, and you certainly know we could all use that extra cash this time of the year. For more information, visit us online at bbetally.com. That's bbetally.com. And joining us later in the show in uh, the second half of the second hour, Will be uh, Vaughn Wilson and HBCU game day, so he'll we'll get a first-hand uh, uh, we'll get a chance to talk to him about the expo and and also you know we'll get a chance to get Vaughn's uh, thoughts and comments. Of course, his uh, his coach Ken Riley um, is uh, is going into the hall finally, and uh, you know those of you who know you know Vaughn has been. Uh, right there with uh, with Ken Riley the second, and one of the strongest uh, uh, advocates, and using his abilities and platforms that he has to really try to to, to make sure the uh, the drive to get uh, Ken Riley into the Hall of Fame uh, happened, and and you know he was pushing uh, well before Coach Riley had passed on in t- uh, 2020 and uh but uh that that day is so i know that day has arrived and so i, I know vaughn will be in kenton that weekend so we'll, we'll kind of it'll be fun to kind of talk to vaughn about that and, and get some thoughts uh about coach riley and and uh and just just hear that kind of stuff so um shout out to uh vaughn who will be coming up a little bit later uh, okay so Let's. Uh, any any other any other talking points you guys want to hit on regarding football before we kind of transition to, into some other sports? Um,
2: uh, yeah, anyway, are you guys. We, hearing you? We, we were talking during a break. We do have a position, wide receiving position, yeah. um, that uh, coach that is still open. Uh, the Scuttles is that they've zeroed in on a candidate. And the I's are being dotted and the T's are being crossed. Uh, I, I I'm familiar with the names, but uh I won't we, we won't reveal it until to it's a little farther down in the process. But it will be somebody right. who's experienced right. who's who it, it will be somebody who's experienced, who's coached uh both at the high school as well as uh at the uh college level and played at the college level, FBS level, so. I leave it there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we uh, we 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 know we know which uh, we we know where our bread is buttered. Put it like that. So you know, sometimes <laughs> sometimes we want to break news. Other times we want to kind of let news happen and and share it. So this this is one of those situations where we're not going to try to be the first one uh, out the door uh, with the news. Not like the schedule stuff, but uh, which again I, I maintain was completely surprising you know it was a last minute thing that came out we were just so excited we just had to share it I'm, I'm sure had we talked about it uh offline we probably might not have shared it <clears throat> but we did in anyway, so it was kind of fun for a week <laughs>
2: We'll do yeah. it again. All
1: right. Yeah, well, I'm sure we will. For sure. For sure. For sure. I, hey, one thing I will say, that dog on uh, Lincoln or California, man, they popping up on everybody's schedule, though. That's, that's what I will say. They uh, they popped up on Tennessee State schedule. They popped up uh, already on Texas Southern. Um Texas They're going to be fighting mm-hmm. with VUL for the most HBCUs on their yeah, schedule. Yeah, I know. Uh, pretty much. That's
3: one thing. It'll be VUL of you know? the West, the West Coast VUL.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You can't get BUL. Go get Lincoln of uh, California. They need a game. Uh, so, I mean, that that's what's that's what's going down. All right. So we got to talk about our teams of the week. You know, busy weekend in, uh, in FAMU. We got you know, we had basketball. We had tennis. We had baseball. We had softball. We had track and field golf. Uh, a lot of teams did well. A lot of teams didn't do
2: too Bowling. well.
1: So we got yeah. Yeah, yeah, bowling. Yeah, bowling even had a so everybody seemed like a lot of a lot of work was out there and and uh, so so before that, first off, uh, shout out to uh, Josh Padilla and and the uh, any and everybody involved with uh, the, the FAMU athletics and and sports information for getting work out. Uh, this is a yeah. nightmare season for SIDs across the board and especially yeah. at. I don't know, low staff, low resource schools, whatever you want to call it, you know, especially HBCUs. HBCUs are working, whether it be D2s, uh, D1s, everybody is working. And, you know, uh, we know a lot of these guys and gals. And so I I just want to continue to, to, to applaud them. And whenever you guys get a chance to applaud the SIDs, please do so. Please retweet their work. Let them know you appreciate their work. Because, man, they are pumping out hours and probably working on little sleep to get information out this particular time of year. This is the hard season, you know, and I think any of them will tell you that this month, this in March, these are the two hardest months of the calendar year for uh, most of them. So uh, with that said, our teams of the week, uh, we got to talk about. First off, we got two of them. Two teams that really went out and did the damn thing. It's going to start with the men's basketball program. We're going to start with them. We're going to start with the Rattler men traveled on the road to uh, Alabama State and on a new court. They broke out a new court on us, uh, Kelvin and Marcus. They thought they were about to do something just because they went and got a new court painted Uh
2: both schools Alabama State and and them yes, got Alabama, a new gym yes, they had,
1: got a whole new arena so this was our first time in the uh the new arena and uh you know I didn't realize that we have never lost to Alabama State since we've been in the SWAT, at home or away so we continued Ooh, uh beating Alabama State yeah yeah exactly 4 and 0 in men's basketball against Alabama State we got a 60 to 54 win on Saturday um, we kind of led by nine at the half uh it, it look it wasn't a pretty game but look I keep saying for fan first team to 60 wins right and and now except when we don't screw it up we've had a game or two where we where we got to 60 and we screwed it up like all Alcorn, yeah, we got the sixty and screwed it up. But anyway, if we can get the sixty first, oh, it's done. I mean, we have looking at the stats, we have the third best. What, what are you shaking your head? We have the third best defensive points allowed in the SWAC. Problem is, we don't score many points. We like, we like the low. We're like the last ranked team in terms of points allowed, at, literally at sixty. So when I tell you first team to sixty. If we get the sixty before you, you're done. Um, I'm, I'm just of that thought process. Okay, you
2: you you, you shake so, your head. So so here's what what I'm, Go I'm gonna say. Go uh, um, because we play uh, three teams to finish the year that are ahead of us that we need to win to in order to get into the tournament. If we had only got the sister points against Alabama A and we would not have won that game, right? Because they have a couple of guys who can shoot, they have some shooters, so they're going to get that seven-point threshold. The difference for our team, and you know we've talked about this, is Stevens, right? When with the last two games at home, the last two games when we played the Mississippi schools, he didn't play at all against Jackson State, zero minutes, and then he only played like three minutes against Alcorn, both losses. We had trouble getting the sixty. He played in both games in the in the on the road at, at Alabama schools. He had uh, against AM, He had seventeen points in like eighteen minutes. And the only thing that cooled him off was uh, the coach taking him out. <laughs> <laughs> and, always, and
1: then Coach Mack right now.
2: And 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 we scored seven seven points. The difference between sixty and seventy-seven was him. And yeah. then against Alabama State, we only scored sixty. He didn't play as many minutes. I think he played eleven minutes. Uh, 11 minutes. But he had a. But he had. But he had like you know what nine points or so. Uh, we had a total of fifteen points off the bench out of that sixty. Him and um, I forgot the, uh, the number two. Uh, they they uh were the two. Yeah, yeah, they were the two scores off the bench. So uh, to me, it's real simple. Uh, I can tell you if we win, you say sister points, I can tell you we win when I look at Dominguez uh, Stevens' minutes. If he played double-digit minutes, we probably gonna win. When he doesn't, we probably gonna lose. It's that simple. Yeah, Uh,
1: against Alabama A&M, he played seven, no, it was 18, 18 minutes, got 17 points and you know i like i said i i don't know i can't explain i don't know i mean there are other guys who have bad shooting nights and they get a lot of extra burn i don't know for what whatever it is that 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 coach has about dominguez i i I mean i i think it's a i don't know i don't want to speculate i i bit but i but i'm as a coach i have had that player that you know, some other people will tell you, coach, you gotta find some time for him. You gotta find some minutes for him, Coach. Things happen. But then you come back, but he doesn't do this, he doesn't do this. Are you seeing what he did on this play? I, I coach Coach must have something that he sees that doesn't sit well with him. But I'm telling you, Dominguez, Dominguez, plays, and uh you catch a you catch a night like you had against Alabama AM where you know he was hot. You know, that's that that he and he looked great. Um I, I'll tell you uh the, the, the big difference I saw in the game against Alabama A and M, and I went back and looked at our first game. We only lost sixty one to fifty six the first time to them, you know, uh at Lawson. The difference was we gave up thirty eight points in the paint to them. Only scored about twenty points ourselves. So there was an eighteen point difference points in the paint. And it was noticeable. A and M had the two bigs the 7 footer and the 611 they killed us inside yeah. um this game this game we only uh we outscored uh m Alabama AM, 30 to 22 in the paint so we were plus yeah. 8 in the paint yeah we were plus 8 in fast break points and I'll tell you what this weekend we shot the ball from the free throw line incredibly well 87% against Alabama State, 80%, percent 20 25 against Alabama A&M. Um, we, we just like Alabama. So, I mean, we we may joke about loving Alabama and sweet home Alabama, but we play really good basketball. <laughs> we play good football in Alabama, too. I'm just saying.
2: Yeah. Tell me, tell me <laughs> yeah. I'm wrong.
1: Somebody tell me I'm yeah. wrong. People get, you yeah. know, we, uh, we just seem to really like Alabama right now. I don't know what it is. Must be some clean water up there or something. I don't know, but uh, it looks good. Marcus, anything you want to jump in there and add about the basketball weekend?
3: Well, I was just pleased as punch. I was too caught up in the game to notice, but I mean, I noticed those big seven-foot dudes that Alabama AM and had, but I'm glad we pulled it out. And you could just see between him and the other young man who went for 22, got his career high that Killman. time, that they are starting to gel, starting to gel a little bit, I guess, to figure it out. And some of the the, um, the commentators also mentioned that in terms of how our top six or seven scores are all new players, so it's taken a prolonged amount of time for them to kind of figure it out, and I guess even coach to figure out a rotation. But I'm glad it's starting to come together. I don't know if it's too little, too late, but hopefully they can, you know, do some work and. Build not only on this momentum that they have going into this weekend, but build on it for next season as well.
1: Um, We are sitting currently now. This is wild, okay? So this this is what is at stake. Three games left, okay? We are five and ten. And all three of these last games are in the state of Florida. First off, so I mean, you know, it is what it is. Okay, uh, we don't get any more games in Alabama. So we unfortunately, they there's no third SWAC school in Alabama for us to go play. So we got to we got to win here in the state of Florida if we want to go to the SWAC tournament. And I put a poll out. Okay, uh, do you believe that FAMU can beat right now anybody in the SWAC? 59% of the people say yes. And I agree. Yeah. I believe when yeah. we are playing the way we're playing now, I mean, we can't be careless and coach, you know, coach has got to do right by his substitution patterns. And the guys have to do their part and not shoot themselves out the game because we, we are still not a good three-point shooting team other than Dominguez and uh, and uh, and um, uh, Noah. Those are about the only two guys that shoot 40%, hell, over. I'm going to say over 35%. They're both shooting 40, but those two shoot 35-plus. Outside of those two, I I scale back on everybody else's three-point attempts. I'd be like, Nah, bro, bring it back. Bring it back. Find a way to get a mid-range game. Go to the free throw line some other way because we we get to the free throw line, we look good, okay? We can make buckets. But but anyway, uh, three home games or two home games left this weekend, Grambling on Saturday, Southern on Monday, and then we travel to Daytona to play Bethune. We are one game, even though we're in 11th place, there's only 12 teams in the SWAT. We are one game out of eighth spot. And there are three teams sitting in the eighth spot with a record of six and nine. That's UAPB, Bethune, and Alabama State. Okay. So obviously, a you know, we, we get a chance at Bethune. You know, if everything wins out, we get a shot at them. Uh, we we got to hope that UAPB uh, loses a game uh, because that might be the one team that has the tiebreaker right now as the eighth spot. But also taking into consideration, te- Texas Southern and Prairie View are both seven and eight. They have a game coming up here against each other. I, I believe the rivals play each other the last game of the season. So potentially – Texas Southern and or Prairie could knock each other off or somebody the loser could get left out the last week. So this week, we've got Grambling and Southern. Grambling right now sits as like the number two ranked team in the conference. Southern is fourth, uh, but they've been number number one points uh, of the season, at least the first half of the season they were in first place for pretty much all of the first month so look if we if we don't win these games we don't deserve to go to the tournament i mean clear as, that's it i mean let's not hide it but if we win these games which we we played well against uh both of these teams and we went out to their place but we just got to win these games clear as day any any final thoughts you guys want to add on on men's basketball
3: No, just keep it up. All right. Hopefully, um, hopefully we can get
2: one of the players on the team. Yeah, Pine Bluff plays Valley. Look like they play Valley and um, they play Valley and uh, Texas. No, they play Valley and um, Jackson State still. Left on each schedule.
1: Okay. All right. All right. So that'll be that'll be an interesting run there. Um, well, let's uh, let's quickly mention our other team of the week, and that's our that's our tennis team, uh, our, our ladies our ladies tennis program, uh, which you know hadn't had struggled their first seven matches. Uh, we're zero seven heading into the first squat cluster. Uh, Ended out coming out unscathed in Jackson, Mississippi, where they defeated uh, Mississippi Valley 5-0, Alcorn 4-0, and they beat Grambling 4-0. So, you know, a great start by our tennis team. Uh, I just saw a tweet earlier that made note of some of the success from the singles, uh, singles ladies, uh, Genesis. White Lock, Reagan Harris, Rebecca Gaines, and Veronica Rodriguez combined for a perfect nine and zero in singles play over the weekend, uh, and, and I believe our our number one doubles team also went uh, unbeaten uh, in their three matches in, over the three days. So uh, the ladies got off to a good kind of a, kind of a good feeling uh, to to get off. The, the losing snide there. Uh, they will be at the Althea Gibson Tennis Complex on Friday, 11 a.m., as we host Jacksonville State. And then on Monday, they, no, excuse me, Sunday, they're traveling to Orlando to take on Oakland University. I'm not really sure. That's pro- I don't know if that's going to be at, like, the USTA – uh tennis complex you know which it very well could be you know so that's where that's where that one may be yeah um you guys want to add anything um regarding uh regarding tennis
2: just glad that they got that w um they swept the uh, you know they three uh, and and0 uh in um in olympic sports It's important that you, you, you win the games that you can win. Uh, I, I often, I have trouble, um, judging the coaches because of the lack of support and resources they have sometimes, um, that they have to work with. So I like to try to celebrate when the teams have success and these were all conference games and they swept them and they won. So that's, that's great. Um, and, um, I, you know, they deserve they deserve that for all the work they have to. they, they put in and and represent the school and everything so um, also I did want to add that uh basketball on Saturday will be honoring our last men's championship team the seven and eight mm-hmm. SIAC championship team that went 21 and six so uh you know let's go out and try to support uh the team and and um, be a part of that celebration, also.
1: Any, uh, it, it, I, I didn't get a chance to read that release yet. Uh, it, any other interesting notes there in that in that release about that 78 team? Um, that really was the last time we won a conference. Uh, re- regular so season. Minute, is that conference regular season? Because obviously we won some conference tournaments in order to get into the NCAA, but in terms of regular season, mm-hmm. That was the last time we won.
2: On the men's side, yes.
1: On the men's side. Right, right, right. Obviously, we've had some women's success um, as well. Um, yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, any any quick mention? Obviously, the women, tough losses uh, uh, in Alabama, Alabama State, Alabama a I will scratch my head on this, guys. I have no idea, and this is a question that needs to be asked, and I'm just throwing it out there to you guys, so you could be like, I don't have an answer. But I find it very difficult to watch our team compete. And we, we competed, especially against Alabama A&M, the ladies. We only got eight, eight, eight girls on the roster dressed. All eight played, but, but we only had eight. Now, when I went back and looked at the website, it's a roster of 13 girls. Where's the other five at? I mean, Kelvin, when you're injured, do you not travel? How does that work? How how does the – I mean, how does that work when you're injured? Why – I mean, obviously, I'm asking you to speculate, um, you know, off your previous experience. But why – give us a a scenario. Why wouldn't the five other girls travel with the team?
2: Well, I mean, first of all, it's typically up to the uh, coaches. Uh, they kinda arrange their own travel party. Um depending on the kind of injuries, some some injuries. Uh, you know, it doesn't make sense to have them moving around. They need to, you know, stay off it and get treatment back home. So uh um, I, I would think that uh the, the center that got hurt uh is probably Scotland would probably Yeah. Yeah, she would probably fall in that category because I know she had a lower extremity injury um, mm. and she had just taken off her brace when she got injured because she was playing early on with a brace on her leg. But uh, but I don't know the extent of the injury so far. So um, and I've really not had I've really not seen that many girls dress that all year on the girls side of things. So I, I don't know what's happening with. Uh, the, the rest of that 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 roster there, i have no idea and you know i've not seen it in articles anybody talk about it so i i don't want to i don't want to be irresponsible and speculate on it either but but coaches the only thing i can say is the coaches typically choose their travel roster and i i guess you know depending on budgets and everything else uh would probably factor into that decision uh you know if you want to travel folks that you know ain't really ain't going to Participate. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, I might
3: have lost. Speculating Yeah, I might have lost because I don't. I mean, you saw you could just count the number of people on the bench when they had all five out there, so you could kind of see the numbers. Watching the YouTube from um, the YouTube broadcast from Alabama A and M, which was which was pretty good, by the way. And I don't know if they outfitted yeah. their new arena for all that stuff to accommodate it, but it was a pretty good broadcast. But you just see it's like, and then. You know during the game i was flipping like you flipping to the roster and seeing like the first five people on the roster are the ones that are missing i mean not that that has any correlation but you see um mallory i think mallory brooks she's haven't seen her in a while uh, skyla baltaziger if i pronounce her name correctly uh the young lady uh, Jamarin blair i believe she's the second year guard from cleveland area or Cleveland, Tennessee. Haven't seen her in a while. She wasn't on the bench, as far as I could tell. And the two other players are like, you know, just in terms of depth. And so that means we're running, you know, a a shallow, a shallow rotation. And that means that our two guards are out there just like for the majority of the minutes. So when do they get a break? When do they get a breather? And you could just see even the performances that the last few games especially the last two against the Alabama schools, it's like, I think we had leads like in the third quarter or going yeah. at least going in into halftime, we were close or leads in the third quarter. And I would just imagine that fatigue and just the whole stress of having to play an entire game with little little breaks and no no substitutions at various positions just takes a role. Plus you're giving up size because Mallory books is like 5'11 and Skyler's like 6'2 so those are two of our bigger players and so i think stacia allen's the only one stacia allen maybe one of the tra- canadian transfers maybe the only ones that are over 510. yeah so you're giving them height I, I, and depth
1: yeah i i just uh it's just one of those things i i i, I keep wanting to see more um uh, uh more more players and more you know i i don't know Health, nutrition, injuries, injury bug, why does it keep happening? Uh, You know, I don't know. Those are questions that I I guess I'd have to be there every day, uh, being able to ask questions to kind of get a better feel for. Uh, I I will say this to the, you know, as we come up on the last three games of this season for our women's basketball program, these are, they they are competing. Um, And I know everybody wants, everyone wants more. We want wins. We want championships. I get it. But let me just say with any coach coming in, you would give a coach three seasons and you would say that hopefully by year two, you're starting to see a team turn the corner and year three be the team that that this coach envisioned it to be. Um, I believe that's still in play. I know Coach Pillow still has a a year left on her, maybe even two years left on her deal uh, because it got extended because of the COVID Mm -hmm. year uh, that was lost. So this is the end of year two. And I think she's got a solid base that if she can build and add to this solid base of girls this year, you're looking at an even bigger improvement next year uh, where yes, we are a tournament level team. We are a mid four, five seed, six seed team next year. Yeah, I, I'm saying it. I'm saying it. I'm not. I'm not. Pre- I'm not predicting that we're gonna turn it into Jackson State or Alabama State overnight. I know I'm starting to get long winded. I got you. So I'm about to wrap it up. I'm just. Gonna, I'm talking. I'm talking to the crowd that wants to make changes. I'm talking to y'all. I'm just saying, trust the process. There is a process in place. Trust the process.
2: Let the. Hey, let ain't it nobody. Happen. I don't heard that. I'm, I'm, I'm here and I go to the games and I ain't heard nobody ask for no changes. Hey, I ain't nobody heard one.
1: you that at the game? they not. They they get <laughs> what they do is they get in their car and they get on their phone and they fire mm. off tweets and then and then quote retweet pictures of other coaches in other places. Oh, hey, this would look like a good option for family. Hell no, no, they're not gonna have the guts to say it at the game. No, they're not gonna say it at the game. That's what that's what the internet
2: and Twitter you you is must for You must don't know Rally everybody. Nation. Evidently evidently you don't know Rally Nation very well. <laughs> Not at They're all. They ain't scared. Not at all. They are not, not scared. Okay. <laughs> right, okay.
1: Somebody say it then. Somebody, if you, if you stay with your chest, if you really feel that way at the game on on um, Saturday or Monday, but I bet you ain't got the guts. I'm just saying it. All right. Let's go to a break. Come back with a little more news, uh, news and notes, and uh, coming up at the bottom of hour two, we're going to have a conversation with, with uh, Vaughn Wilson. So hang in there with us. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, This is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home,
0: and together, we can be the change. Oh, that spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Now you can live in Texas and not have a good red meat blend. Texas Cowboy Dust is designed for steak and other red meats. It's out to be my most popular spice blend. Made with onions, peppers, ground mushrooms, pink salt, and other spices. Texas Cowboy Dust also goes great with chicken, pork, vegetables, and adds a restaurant quality sheen to gravies and sauces. It's
3: like a loot machine. Town. Get
0: down. Vanilla smoked sea salt seasoning is for seafood. The tarragon and fennel bring out the natural sweetness in seafood. I also use it in rice dishes, on yams, asparagus, blueberry pancakes, and believe it or not, chocolate chip cookies. Vanilla smoked sea salt adds a salty and savory component to sweet dishes that create a symphony for the tongue.
1: Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, Marcus here. Uh, Marcus is in today. Uh, Kofi is out today uh, with with family, so uh, we wish him well. I know he'll be back. You know, said uh, hold it down for him. He'll be back with us next week. Um, I know one of the things that uh, we are keeping our eyes on things that I know he. Is very interested to see what happens. Is the uh, news about and this came out an article today by uh, Tara Jean. Uh, do you know Miss Tara, Kelvin? Any chance had a chance to meet her? Do you know who she is?
2: I, I've seen her. I, I don't really know her.
1: Okay, uh, she she's the uh, she covers non sports. FAMU-related news, so it's like any any new stuff regarding FAMU that you see in a Tallahassee Democrat will come for her. Uh, But she she posted a story today uh, that talked about the two vacant spots on FAMU's Board of Trustees uh, and the seven candidates who are in line to find out if they will be chosen uh, to secure the position. Now, obviously, the Board of Trustees, we just recently uh, lost uh, Mr. Thomas Dortch Jr. Uh, who passed away last Wednesday. We also know that we have two board members who are well past their ex I say their expiration date but they're they're uh, they're,
0: they're term- <laughs> term- <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: sorry that came out wrong. They're totally
0: term- <laughs> term- yeah and, uh yeah.
1: chairman Kelvin Lawson and uh Judge Belvin Perry. Now I don't know. I tried to, I sent a, an email to Miss Jean to try to find out are the two positions that are open to fill Dorch and someone else, or are we trying to fill Belvin Perry and Lawson spot? What do you know, Kelvin about this? How, how, what are we, where are we at? And I know we're not at 13, which is where we should be. So can you, can you, explain some of this for us uh, novices
2: yeah so we have two vacant positions and they are both board of of, uh, governor's selection I think six trustees are selected by the board of trustees um, and another five or six by the governor so the two vacant positions our board of governor selections. And then we have two folks sitting on the board whose term, who are governor appointees whose terms have as, as aspired, but they stay on the board until they're replaced uh, or reappointed by the governor. And those mm-hmm. those two are still on the board.
1: So you we just don't know when... DeSantis will replace uh, Lawson and Perry. He may never replace Lawson and Perry. Is that, that could be the case?
2: We don't know. We don't know. Yes, we don't know.
1: All yes, right. We we know. Know. All, right. Uh, all right, so the seven candidates applying for these two positions uh, and you, you raise your hand if you know of these gentlemen. I'm just gonna. Not, I'm not gonna read the whole article. You can go get a subscription to the Tallahassee Democrat online and read the, all, <laughs> all the uh, info. I'll just read the opening sentence about them. Uh, Benny Bolden Jr. He is currently the principal of uh, Nims Middle School in Tallahassee. He is a FAMU alum who graduated in 2005 with a bachelor's degree in music um later went on to get a master's blah blah, blah professor blah, blah, blah okay uh so that's Biddy Bolden jr Gary Hartfield a famU alumnus graduated in 94 uh, with a bachelor's degree in electronic engineer technology uh he, he's a life member on the National Alumni Association uh earned his master's somewhere else uh returned to famU to be a coordinator of academic programs from 99 to 2001. Uh, all right. Then we also have another FAMU alum, Deveron Gibbons. Gibbons, a FAMU alum, earned both his master's degree in business administration, his juris doctorate degree from the university as well. Prior to FAMU, he graduated from UF with a bachelor in poli-sci. And uh, let's see. And the University of South Florida was his first master's in public admin. So, uh, there you know there's him so that's four graduates right there um alexander jordan senior uh current doctoral student at fsu education leadership program he is a famu alum both a bachelor and master's degree in public admin uh it doesn't say when when he was there um mary smith one of two females one of two ladies uh, she is a FAMU alum, dated in 75 with a bachelor's degree in nursing, uh, served in various national, alum, uh, national alumni association roles, which included third vice president and Broward alumni chapter president. Um, before I get to our final candidate, this is the one that really made me chuckle. Uh, Mr. Ryan Smith is a, psychi- a, a psychiatrist. Also an associated dean and professor at the proposed Orlando College of Osteopathic Medicine. Okay. But but at the bottom, he says he applied for a trustee role in all 12 Florida universities. Uh, and he says the education and educational leadership are area. So wait a minute. He's a lifetime applier of this position. So, I mean, we had for all 12. I mean, you're, I, I, you know. I don't know. He just really wants to be on somebody's board. I, I guess when you have a, a, a going to be the last one. Maybe they'll let me in, you know. Uh, anyway, um, so, yes, yeah, he's not an alum. And then, of course, last but certainly not least, and definitely should be considered is our moderator, dr Lori wilson a family alum graduated from the university in 88 with a bachelor's degree in biology also a member of the national alumni association i'm gonna read dr Lori's whole bio here so just bear with it uh wilson went on to earn her master's in public health from eastern virginia medical school and her doctoral degree in dental surgery from meharry medical college she is currently a dental director at medical advocacy and outreach in Montgomery, Alabama, and she believes the most important role of a trustee is quote to be a strong advocate for higher education. Our own Dr. Lori is one of seven candidates. Uh, of you know, in- I'm I'm we're praying. I'm praying for uh, Dr. Lynn. It'll be interesting. What do you know about this process? And. and um, maybe at some point we'll bring Dr. Lori in to talk to us about the process, but uh, what, what do you know of the process uh, right now, Kelvin?
2: So I think the they're gonna announce some other trustee uh, appointments by the Board of Governors at a, uh, I think they got a teleconference meeting coming up this month and then they have an in-person meeting next month and i think everyone is speculating that they are they will potentially make an announcement about their two appointments to our board at the at next month's meeting hopefully mm-hmm. all right mm-hmm. and that's
1: uh, March twenty any yeah march 29th marcus any any thoughts you want to want to add in there as you hear some of these candidates uh six alums and uh one guy who's uh, he's applied for every every board at every school so sorry
3: yeah well kind of yeah well i would yeah that takes it down to six six candidates for me because you know you we can't hope, just like throw dogs at the board and hope to, uh, we hope we hope we're hoping, that, we're, we're hoping that a friend of the show well we hopefully all the famu alums are friends of the show in one way or another but the One of the very great friends of the show i would be pleased as punch if she were to be selected as one of our new trustees i know nothing about the process but if it could be rigged i'll rig it
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's that's why that's why they don't put it out the popular vote (laughs) right there (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so this is, this is the board of governors. So basically all of these individuals, they, they are probably being reviewed and, and, uh, go through the process with the board of governors. Right. And so that's the look, we, we've talked a long time, guys. If, if some of the things are going to change, uh, that's where it starts. It starts at the board of trustees, you know, um, you know there's there's some people who are strong advocates and understand how athletics shapes and can shape um and and want to see and obviously again i i i i'm look i continue to say I, i'm gonna give you two 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 scenarios two fundraising things that happened this week actually three there were three events that i found really interesting this past weekend okay and I, I'm not I say this and I hope I don't come off as sounding like I'm poo-pooing any any anything that is is pledged to anybody here, right? But the Houston Astros, obviously there's a baseball classic going on in Houston this past weekend. The Houston Astros donated a million dollars, the Astros Fund, Foundation, excuse me, donated a million dollars, Texas Southern. Baseball and softball to build and help renovate those two ballparks. A million for those yes. two programs. Okay? Now uh Famu announced earlier in the week that ooh, which 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 oil company was it? Uh that that was BP. it. Mm, BP. BP. BP was donating 1.35 million. That number may be accurate, off by hair, but I think it was 1.35 to Florida mm-hmm. a University. Of course, we saw a president up there smiling, taking money. yeah, it's a check, yeah. Uh, we saw all of that, okay? And I mean. The great quote by GE: Hey, you know we we know FAMU students. They, you know, I'm paraphrasing here. You know, they we know what we get when we go to FAMU. Uh, We get great students who can help us, you know, produce more oil and make more money. I'm I'm paraphrasing, right? Something to that effect, right? Okay. Then, at the home opener, I think of our baseball stadium. I think it was the Diamond Club. The Diamond Club did a. Great job. Great job. Props to the Diamond Club for getting up there and donating $10,000 to our baseball part, to our baseball program, excuse me, directly to the baseball account, baseball program. And I retweeted out, hey, it'd be great to get 10 more organizations or individuals to match that $10,000. That I mean, that's that's 100,000 at that point, right? I'm just talking 10 people, organizations to match so that we got 100,000 in the bank for baseball, right? And again, that when we talk about how we value what we value, I mean, I want y'all to think about that. Now, we don't have a baseball uh, uh, program in our backyard like Texas Southern does, right? But they just got a million dollars that's gonna basically rebuild two ballparks. You know, we got GE coming in, dropping money, so that they can pull some FAMU students and make more money. You know, and we got a, a ten thousand dollars from the Diamond Club, where I don't I don't know what that. Hopefully, covers a lot of travel
2: expenses. So,
0: <clears throat> go, go ahead.
2: So, so the, so the Diamond Club uh, uh, gives to the baseball program all the time. Uh, Tony Bell in that group. Uh, uh, some of our, 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 our locals. Uh, I know um, Sam Ditzy and some some folks. I hate to call names because you always leave people off. But anyway, yeah. Um, those those groups um, give every year, and they usually give more than just one check. Uh, so that you know they they have a ten thousand, then they might have a fifteen or twenty. Uh, so they do a really good job uh, that group in raising money and trying to help. Um, and but to your point, two things, right? Thing number one, um, we need our administration and our board members to value um, athletics and to solicit those kind of gifts that you just mentioned for athletics. There's a lot of pathways and, and ways to get funding for academic, and and, and you know, it is not a from it's not a either or proposition. Uh, we can do both equally well, um, and we've just and, and we we actually get a significant return on investment because when we're on TV, basketball, baseball, football, and we in those major markets. Uh, that you know the March One Hundred, whenever they out there, um, th- those kind of that kind of visibility is what built our brand. That's how people, most people outside of academic and maybe a few in corporate America, most people are familiar with our our alumni and and our, our tradition, our, icon, our iconic programs, and you know the band program, and of course our, our athletic prowess particularly football and and so i don't know what why there's a disconnect and we don't do more to the to, to pump resources in the athletics uh especially in today's uh times where you know you have a temperature level program and we we see uh what that does in terms of enrollment and in the academic side of the house right so uh you know you know even on um, with the media TV deals out there now and opportunities we're seeing, um, schools that coming off, off of the COVID year after the COVID year, who, are experiencing double digit. I know they're power fives, but some, you know, but the point being, people are experiencing in the athletic department double digit, um, 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 increases. Where their net profit is, is is in you know double I mean you know 10, 10 11 millions, Uh one being them um, right across the track railroad tracks from us. So so there is a lot of reasons to invest in athletics and and um I, I, you know that that's that's how this show started. That's the premise of this show. We wanted to educate and um, be a voice to rattler nation and bring information that people don't um necessarily talk about that we don't get from our administration and i wanted to tell you brian and roy who's uh producing today day in markets that i was at the baseball game all three games at some point uh this weekend and um there was a older gentleman that came up to me i was speaking and i was speaking to someone he was with who i was familiar with and they were asking him you know different questions about it, you know different things and just chatting and when we were in, in a conversation, uh, the, 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 the gentleman was like, man, I love your show. I love what y'all are doing, man. Y'all educating us. This guy was must have been probably 6570 at least. And I wasn't familiar with the guy, but he was familiar with me. And he's, he's been watching the show. And I know that Ellis is probably watching. Every time I go to the basketball game, they stop me before I get to my seat and say, hey, you know, hey, man, we, we, we love the show, man. Y'all keep doing what you're doing. And t- they tell me, they, they, they sweet on Kofi, you know, so, so they know Kofi from back in the day. <laughs> 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 you know, we know, we, we locals, we know a lot of people. We grew up on, on, on campus, so so that's what they, you hey, make sure you tell Kofi, I say, hey, but tell the rest of them hey, too. So, so people are watching, man. I, I think we do the universal service and we just got to continue to educate and hopefully that includes our administration and our board.
1: Well said, well yes. said. And, and again, yes. I, I, I want, you know, I, I I love the donation. I want it to be, I want it to be a challenge. Like I, I want to see, and I, I love the fact that I think our 80 sites even retweeted it. I want 10 other people to match what the Diamond Club did. That's where we need to get to. Like we see a donation like that. I need 10 other folks to come on and match that. in in the for for baseball. Um, But uh, let's let's uh, get ready to take a break. Coming up on the other side of this break, we're going to talk to Vaughn Wilson of Mega Ace Media and HBCU Game Day. We'll get a chance to talk to him about the uh, Black Business Expo coming up this weekend, as well as uh, his thoughts on uh, his coach finally getting into the Hall of Fame. That's Ken Riley, Coach Ken Riley. We'll talk to him Uh, We'll talk to Vaughn coming up on the other side. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in a moment.
0: Nope.
2: Nope. You want him?
0: Ooh, I like him. No! Oh!
4: Quick, the
1: quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so
0: you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper.
2: When you're looking for the latest information on Southern University sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively
0: on the Black College Sports Network.
1: All right, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rosier, Marcus Green, and joining us is Vaughn Wilson. Uh, Vaughn, thanks for joining us tonight. How are you doing?
4: Thanks for having me, man. I've been watching the whole show. <laughs>
1: Wonderful. So let me, let me get the read in first while we're coming back out of the break. Let me get the read in, of course. Uh, Vaughn's going to tell us more about the second annual Black Business Expo Tallahassee which takes place on February 25th at the moon and is brought to you by Mega Ace Media and the Tallahassee Leon County Office of Economic Vitality. The business, the Black Business Expo will feature financial institutions, agencies, and larger businesses looking to partner with your black business. Tallahassee Mayor John Daly and Leon County Commission Chair Nick Maddox are the special guests for the event and they'll be there to hear what goes on in our businesses we'll give out $15,000 in grants, and we can all use a little extra cash this time of the year. For more information, visit us online at bbetally.com. That's bbetally.com. All right, so uh, Vaughn, of course, of uh, Mega Ace Media. Vaughn, thanks for giving us an opportunity to promote the event. Let's, Let's start with how this event and the idea for for this event came about.
4: Um, the idea came about really um, d- during the pandemic. Um, we, we, I had just left FAMU at a very good paying job, and um, and uh, had started out to venture out to do actually to get my multimedia business back going. You know, my, my I felt my job. Dr. Ammons asked me to come to FAMU and it was to build um, Rattler Productions. And we went from not having a single camera when I got there to being able to broadcast directly to ESPN3 with no outside help. So I, at that point, I thought it was built, you know, and um, I left it there and I had some more personal things I wanted to uh, pursue, you know, in the entrepreneurial world. So um, I started and then the pandemic hit and A a former rattler, Daryl Jones, was with the Office of Economic Vitality. And Mm -hmm. while I'm sitting on my hands watching every contract I had canceled because we were stuck inside, Daryl said, register with the Office of Economic Vitality. We can help you. Well, as a normal black man in a black business, I'm like, man, I'm not doing that. That's not gonna help my business, this, that, and other. But he persisted. And lo and behold, literally two weeks after I went and registered with the office of economic vitality, I got a grant from them. And that catapulted me into pivoting my business to what it is today, which um, concentrates on good broadcasts for churches, municipalities and that sort of thing. So I started thinking last year, you know, most black people in business are like me. We're not going to go ask for the help, or we don't think we qualify for it. So we're trying to put we put this together to bring these businesses here, entice them with the grants on the spot. We get a grant out, they leave there with their money, you know. Um, We did that to try to get them there to let them know in Tallahassee, Leon County, we are fortunate to have resources for small black businesses. And we got to get out of the business of just trying to figure it out in our silo at home when you got professionals here Mm -hmm. that are willing to help. Does does a business have to be uh
1: operating in Tallahassee or I mean obviously the, the home in Florida. What what are the in what are the parameters? Uh simply being a black business or
4: you have to be within the state? What are some of the parameters? Simply a black business. We've got some several people from South Georgia who came last year and they're coming back. It's a research it's an opportunity to really learn how to manage your business. We have banks there telling black businesses don't be scared to go to banks go to the bank and let them tell you no, but fix what they told you to fix and come back because they just want you to be in position to get the loans that, you know, they get credit when they're able to give a black business a loan. Um, We have construction companies there. There are so many projects going on, you know, here in Tallahassee, they're getting ready to build a new police station where they're looking for minority partners. So we went and scoured and got as many independent black contractors as we could to be there. We've got, um, you know, those people, they're looking for partners. So to just get black people to get out of their comfort zone and and do the things that other people do, which is business development. Um, that's what this is, a business development conference. Hmm. Nice,
1: nice. Kelvin, uh, you want to ask Vaughn anything regarding regarding this uh, before we kind of get into the other stuff? You're on mute, Kelvin. Your mic, mic, Mute, Kelvin. You're on mute. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so Vaughn, I know that uh, you um, have dealt with logistics in a lot of different uh, uh, venues. You know, Vaughn got probably done had twenty jobs, even when he had one primary <laughs> one, right? Yeah. He, he always doing something, right? He can't tell nobody no. So, uh, but, but my question is with this particular event, uh, how, how do you put things together in terms of, you kind of talked about it, but um, do people have to register for this event or can they just show up? Um, how did you go, you mentioned about, you, re, you, you went and talked to some, some contractors and other folks who are looking for services and banks who they provide information. Talk about how that process happened and then, how do you get the community? I know part of what we're doing is is trying to get the community to participate. But just just talk about the logistics and the strategy of putting an event like this together.
4: Well, I started with the Office of Economic Vitality when they said they would be my major sponsor. That gave me a start, um, but then I had to go to the businesses and and deal with them. And some of them, for example, um. From my work on campus, when Ram Construction was working on Bragg Stadium on the east side, the president wanted and the Board of Trustees to have access to see what that progress was like, even if they weren't able to come down there that often. So they suggested to the Ram, hey, get Vaughn to, because he can do a drone, because we don't want anybody over close to the area. Get him to do a page where it updates so that we can see from wherever. And let me tell you that website, um, Bragg Renovations Blueprint mm-hmm. Tallahassee. Everybody used that site to keep an eye on what was going on on Bragg Stadium in the safety of their own home, on their phone or their computer. And so that's how I got in with Ram Construction, and now I'm doing working for Ram Construction regularly. And the same thing happened on the west side with Allstate Construction. So when those connections start happening, they realized you know, other things could happen. And I had a conversation with Sheriff McNeil, and this is what really took me over the top with wanting to do the expo. When I I brought, somehow I brought the idea up to him. He said, Vaughn, I have money to get vendors to, clean the building, buy products, this, that, and the other. I would like to sponsor that because I would love to have some minority vendors in there. So I just started thinking, well, let me beat the bushes and find out where there are more people that are looking for minority vendors. Because, you know, in Tallahassee, because of OEV, there are a lot of things that you have to have a certain number of minority vendors working on, um, you know, to fully fulfill the contract. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. So the, the the last part of that the last part of that Vaughn, was a uh, do people have to register for this or can they just come and show up?
4: Yes, um my, the website for it is com Black Business Expo Tallahassee. com and they can go in there and register. And um like I said, there's plenty of information all of the State Senator Corey Simon is going to be there. State Representative Gallup Franklin, all three local chambers of commerce, as well as the mayor, John Daly, and the commissioner, the, the chair of the Leon County Commission. So we're going to we've got all the big wigs. Property appraisers is going to be there. You name it, they're going to be there. So my thing is to get all of these agencies right there, so our black businesses are not going to go to this place, that place and that place to get things done. Here's a one stop shop where everything can be handled.
2: Do you have a number of uh, how many people registered so far
4: last year we had about 40 uh businesses we're at 61 right now and it has been hot tomatoes uh you know leading up to it which i understand in a small business you don't want to have money sitting out there too long so i expect their money right. to come in closer to it but we'll we'll accommodate those businesses and, and even more walk-ups, people that may not, people that are probably thinking about having businesses. We've sold a lot of those tickets, just general admission tickets. And these are people who might be about to start a business. We want them to start them off the right way. So it was just a way to reach out. I got helped, you know, like I say, during the pandemic and I, I, I saw the opportunity to help other people with the way that I got helped and even beyond the way.
2: Okay. All right. Great, great stuff.
1: Marcus, Marcus, you want to get a question in there?
2: Yeah, I want to sneak a,
3: a quick one in. I know, you know, since this is tally, not FAMU centered, you know, it's supposed to be bipartisan, but I was wondering, well, at one point, way back, you know, back when we were in school, there was a small business development center on campus. Now I don't know if they're having any any leverage in this or if it still exists. You know how it's working, but the other thing I was thinking with these with helping the black businesses either start or grow their market. And even though it's supposed to be bipartisan, is there an opportunity as these broad businesses grow that they could become NIL partners for family athletics
4: or athletes? Absolutely, and I think I'm trying to lead by example in that I am reaching back and helping where I can in my community. And I think that I would love for one of these businesses to grow big enough to be a partner uh, in NIL, because that would be a great, you know, we can't, it's, NIL is going nowhere. Um, that cat is out of the bag, so we're going to have to feed it. We're going to have to feed that. That's It's like, uh, what was that plant called, the movie with the plant, Little Shop of Horrors? It's like that plant, feed me, you know, <laughs> NIL is that. And if you want to
2: feed it, Venus flytrap. Venus <laughs> flytrap, <flat laughs> <trout>, yeah. Yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah it's, it, that's, 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 uh um, how I see NIL, it's not going anywhere. So yeah, we do hope that businesses can improve themselves um, so that they can feed into that uh, NIL situation. Thank you.
1: All right, so again, folks, uh, if you already registered bbetally.com, if you're watching us and you know of a a black business, uh, uh, now's the time to recommend um, you know you can clip this part of the show or just send them to bbe tally.com and and there's information there let them know there's money to there's money to be given out don't miss out on it um so uh let, let's let's transition obviously uh last weekend super Bowl weekend uh, very emotional time i'm sure for for every and anybody who has been working over the past i don't know it seems like at least the last five probably easily 10 years of trying to get coach riley uh into the hall of fame vaughn you've been there you've been a part of that process uh you know talk a little bit about your emotions uh that finally that day has arrived and and your coach uh made it into the hall of fame
4: well i can't even describe in words um how happy i am and everybody Everybody asked me the same questions. Why did you push so hard for Ken Riley? Um, and it's simple. On, on, when I played for Coach Ken Riley, everybody knows me, um, knows that I had my father in my whole a, a child to adult life. I had a strong father figure in my life. You know, my father just passed four years ago. So while I was in college, up to college, I had a mother and father in place, strong family unit but Coach Riley found his way into the, that circle to still be a mentor. You know, it's easy for Ken Riley to become a father figure to the to most of my teammates who come from single-family homes. But for him to step into my life and have influence on my life, I just said, man, that's a special guy. You know, when I realized the wisdom that he, that, that, that he gave me. And then looking at Jake's boys, I looked at the, the guys before me who I have a lot of respect for. That Jake Gaither statue came from Jake's boys, and I was I was on their committee, and I just watched their dedication. That saying, we absolutely have to get this statue done of Jake Gaither. That was our coach, and and I saw their dedication. Like man, I, and I just absorbed it, and and was even on for the second phase to get the coaches' bus, and even phase three to get the other two coaches added that were I felt were missing from, uh, from from the whole statue. But that dedication from Jake's boys, I was like, well, that's what I'm supposed to have for my coach. And so uh, I went on the trek and and started it and um, you know had help along the way. I'm, uh, first off, let me not take credit for Ken Riley going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Ken Riley did that 40 years ago with that stat line that he left. He earned his way into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. All we did was just kinda amplify that stat line and say, hey, it's been 40 years and you only had one person that really passed him since then. So, and you got people in on this list below him that are in. So that's the only thing we had to amplify. We amplified that and did it as best we could. Who knows how effective it is. I'm just glad that he got in. And man, when that, when that NFL honor show came on, and I saw Anthony Munoz, I knew what it was about because I met Anthony Munoz because the Riley family invited me to attend the Ring of Honor ceremony. And that's where I met Anthony Munoz. So when I saw him, I I, I knew. And when I saw Ken walking down that tunnel, I I told Ken this when I called him. I said, Ken, you took two wobbly steps and then you start walking exactly like your dad. And Ken said, man, Craig Hall called me and said the same thing. I was walking just like my dad. So I really think Ken was like, you know, I'm supposed to be making this walk. And he took over Ken Riley the second. because it was just amazing. I, I, I promise you, I, it was just amazing. By that time, I, only, I told Ken I only saw like three steps because my eyes were so watering and I'm trying to watch, but I just couldn't because I just knew what it meant to coach, um, what it meant to his family uh, to have him there. You know, Kim was a very humble guy. Coach Riley was a very humble guy. And um, you know, there there was not a lot. He was he was a, a country boy from Bartow. He didn't want a lot. But he really wanted to go into that Pro Football Hall of Fame, and I'm just glad he finally got in. Indeed,
1: indeed. Calvin, go ahead.
2: Uh I'm gonna throw a curveball at you a little bit, I think, I'm um, Vaughn, and I want you to talk about uh Quinn getting an opportunity at a place that you consulted with, uh all been in state, uh your thoughts about that. And then while we there, just kinda th- you know, they, they, they just uh lost uh, losing their A D, who's the guy who hired Quinn ultimately uh talk about that situation and your your thoughts in general.
4: Well, first off, I'm ecstatic that Quinn is there. Uh, Albany State, um, as Ken, as uh, uh, Rosa mentioned, I, I went up as a consultant because they they lost their uh, sports information director just uh, less than a month before the season. And Dr. Darlene Moore was on my case. You got to come help us. You got to come help us. I was like, I'm out of that SID world and I don't want to jump back in <laughs> because just like you said, Brian, it is a 24-7 multitasking hell at times, you know. So uh so we we came to an agreement and 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 the president signed off on it for me to work through the football season and assist them with finding somebody by the spring and 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 then I could ease out. Um I love Albany State. It's a wonderful little college. Oh they got great facilities because they absorb Darton College. So I actually yeah. had unlike at famu i had two offices there because one on each campus <laughs> two sets of keys too all but right. uh there's a there, there's a great opportunity i in my mind in my mind if there is a school in division two that can move up to division one it's albany state hmm. it's all mm. they have the yeah. facilities they yep. have the infrastructure it's a great place to work uh albany state so when I found out they chose Quinn. I was ecstatic because it's a good place to be. Um they support the football program from the president, Dr. Frederick, on down. Um as far as for 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 Coach Duckworth, as I called him, um I think there was a disconnect between him and Quinn uh in that whole scenario. And I think in the end, um I think it was an irreparable uh, situation between athletic director, and head coach, and people don't like that. Alumni did not like that. And the alumni are really excited about Quinn. I mean, you think about the situation we just went through with Bethune-Cookman down there and how that was represented. And yeah. Quinn goes into his announcement ceremony and he has on a blue, nice blue suit, gold tie, dressed to the tee his wife walks in she's got on a blue dress with gold trim that shows respect to that institution and the people immediately said hey this is our guy you know he has the intangibles and so i really think they are going to support him uh they're going to look for the team to get back to what coach Gabe gardenia did um, and i believe quinn can do it it's a place right listen he asked me to come up and help him as well to shoot his prospects that came in wow you talk about picking from the transfer portal, and getting some right people. He's got some athletes up there at Albany State. So I'm looking forward to see if they can unseat Benedict College this year. It's going to be exciting up there at the SIAC.
1: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, Go ahead, Marcus.
3: Uh, One quick question for you, Vaughn. (laughs) And I know uh, once um, Coach Riley was elected to the Hall of Fame, do you know anything about the attendance process or policy do they have tickets they give out do they you know it'd be nice if the hundred was there even if it's a small section some fam there i know it's pro football but i think HBCUs and one of ours gets in we we all it's all family it's not just the pro team it's like the college too because they're
4: representing us well all i can tell you is a few things it's august 3rd through 6th in canton ohio my wife and i already purchased our plane tickets uh, we're looking at hotels, we'll get all the rest of that figured out. We are going to be, there is no way. I mean, literally the next day I was like, I'm, I'm not even playing with it. I, I really, it's just, I attended the baseball hall of fame when Andre Dawson went in cool. and it's just, it's an immersion. It's an immersion in history. Um, it's an immersion in celebrating that person. They, they spent a lot of time talking about their college legacy. And, and I, and I got to say this. I can't wait to see Mel Blunt so I can go up and shake his hand because he was a big, big supporter of Ken Riley getting in to the point where he said very angrily one time, the man was better than me. The man was better than me. I said it. You know, so I think when you start getting a Hall of Famer in there that caliber to say something to that effect, I think the, the the voters have to say, wait a minute, what brought this on? You know. Yeah.
1: Wow. Uh, um, last uh, last kind of thing I want to ask you, Vaughn. Obviously, in the news, you mentioned Bethune Cookman. Uh, you were a part, and I, I don't know if it was directly uh, you and in, in your company or you and HBCU Game Day, but you guys were um, you were a part of helping. Make a significant donation to Bethune Cookman um, and talk a little bit about that, if you would, and and just uh, why you, Brian, felt, you
4: trying to, you know, Brian, you trying to set me up with the right donation, man. I can't believe you, asked me. <laughs> <laughs> Brian. I thought we was better than I thought we was buddies, man. You about to
2: ask me this right like, on OG Strikes over. Oh man, I can't believe you. Just... <laughs> I was going to, I was going to add
1: in the angle about supporting our brothers or our cousins. All right, you know, I, I was, I, I was, we were in the feel good. I got caught up in the feel good, for others, kind of thing. I'm sorry, I put the rivalry behind us. I, I kind of was caught right. up in the, I was feeling good and helping others. I got caught up in the emotions. I'm
4: sorry, I, and 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 I did too. Um, we had HBCU game. They saw what played out at Bethune. Um, uh, they're one of the schools that we cover. There's not a. Beth- Bethune Cookman Wildcat actually on our staff. We have staff in different areas, but I actually double and cover Bethune Cookman because we haven't grown that big that yet. Yet, um, so we were just sitting and watching everything play out, and people kept reporting on the problems, and we were like, "Dude, we got to get past the problems. What can we do?" And then the next day, the, the the next day, uh, we came up with the idea. Well, you know, we we don't have all that money to make a giant donation, but what if we start with some helmets? And we said, let's donate ten helmets. And these helmets cost five hundred dollars a piece, by the way, they play in. Um that did that, that Famu and all of them. It's not like the old days of the, the $89 specials. These helmets are, you know, highly technical. And uh the yeah. ones Famu plays in. If you see that square up there, those speed flex helmets, they're five hundred dollars a piece. Well, anyway, we decided to do ten. And the equipment director is Alvin Wyatt's son, Alvin Wyatt Jr. So we had Alvin to contact the the supplier, say, hey, make the order, we'll pay it and have the helmet shipped directly to Bethune. So Alvin got the order and he was just about to send us the invoice. He say, hey, the man said, you know, if you buy 12, they'll throw in two more free. Uh, so Tali Carr, who's our lead anchor, Tali say, I'll buy one and then I said, my father's a Bethune-Cookman graduate. Mm-hmm. And I was saying if my father was here he would buy that helmet so we my family and I bought that 12th helmet so they got 14. And mm-hmm. we presented it to them when they hired their uh when, when they named Raymond Woody uh as head coach and um you know I I I kind of I really appreciated um the athletic director, AD Theus, speaking frankly with us in a very difficult time where trustees didn't want anybody speaking to anybody, he sat and did a almost 30-minute interview with us, and I appreciated that. And it cleared a lot of things up for all of us. There were so many missing pieces. You just so it allowed us everyone to pull pieces together to try to figure out exactly what was going on because it was confusing. But the point is this: I'm a member of the FAMU National Alumni Association as a lifetime member. I'm a member of the football chapter. I'm a member of the Leon County chapter. I'm a member of the Rattler Boosters. I'm a member of the 220 quarterback club and any other damn initiative FAMU has, somehow uh, my (laughs) wife and I end up sending a check. The point is this, going circling back to what you said, Brian. We have to support our institution. We can't just show up to homecoming and think that's it. It's not going to work. That's not the formula for success. If you want us to see us look like a Power 5, those Power 5 nice buildings are are not built by the school. They're built by alumni. That's why they have alumni names on them. We have to continue to get more and more people to donate to our HBCUs so we can get out of the funk that we're in and catch up we are in catch-up mode. Fam, you, I gotta yes. say, we've got an awesome situation where we can give. I feel confident when I send a check to the foundation it's going to where it needs to be. And then, you know, as as of the last several years, I always get a letter, say, thank you for your donation. So it's a it's, a, it's an affirmation, you know, That that's big. I, I gotta give Dr. Friday Stroud credit for that. That's an affirmation yeah. that where you sent your money is going where you expected it to go you know we give to the the cooling chamber you know it famu has been great to me my whole life from famu high to me and kelvin down at famu high up to famu working in athletics um and even though um i've left athletics and and kelvin could attest to this because he was talking when kelvin said that about the olympic sport coaches i applaud him because yeah it is it's a struggle for the olympic coaches. Uh, sport coaches to judge them because we have we would we couldn't fathom what they have to go through to field a team yeah. to play a contest sometimes um, and we saw yeah. Kevin Kevin and I saw that firsthand working together it really is unfathomable so we have to continue to support the way we do I can't give enough money to have a amphitheater named after me like Will Packer but I can do what I can do. Right, exactly. I mean, exactly. That's what I want people to do: yep. be do what you can yes. do, and be dedicated to it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: Well I mean, said. I, there it is. Well said. <laughs> I mean, you. I mean, that one. If every if every Bethune alum donated one helmet, hell, they they wouldn't have no issues with helmets no more. You know, and so and then that's a small donation. So
4: it, you know what, Brian? It's so funny you said that because that gesture that we did. Coach Theos came up to me as I was getting ready to leave. He said, Dude, I got seven people say they want to buy helmets. I have text him just right after that little broadcast. Me on there for one minute got what, eight times five, four thousand dollars worth of helmets. You know, if if they're if they were buying one. I'm just saying if they were buying one. But it, it takes right. little things to build up. We I mean we have to use that Obama mentality. A lot of people doing a little, we don't have mm-hmm. too many wheel Packers and that can that can write the big checks but we got a lot of people that should be writing something yeah
2: exactly I, something. I know if I know you. I know we got to, to wrap up because I, I don't want uh Roy to cut us off but I I do want to say <laughs> 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 but I do want to <laughs> say real quick that um uh what Vaughn bon is talking about and what I would say being a part of this program and I want to thank you and Roy and Brian and all your, for, for giving us this, this platform I realized the value of Black media and Black-owned media to be able to put this kind of content out to people because nobody was doing it. And it's going to continue to grow and hopefully help HBCU athletics down the line, particularly in our case, FAMU. But uh, so, so, um, you know, y'all guys, you know, y'all had this vision 20 years ago. Y'all was ahead of your time, man. But this is important, and I realize it
4: sorry that was my dog just uh greeting my daughter coming home but uh but and, and also bringing my whole conversation back full circle brian the reason i advertise i didn't ask for any free ads i asked roy what was the rate the reason i advertise with you all is that same thing we have to support each other however we can support each other just a a, a little bit a little extra you know we got we got to support each other because these are our businesses i realize y'all Doing this from your heart, but it's also a business. In order for you to stay on, it's, it's you mm-hmm. know it's a, it has to be run like a business. So I thank you all for for being the platform where I could find a place to do some extra advertising, and and I watched the show anyway. So why wouldn't I?
1: Uh, we and we we appreciate it. We appreciate it, Vaughn. There's enough of that. Hey, like I said, there's enough of the pie for us all to cut a slice and and share it with the greater community. So that that's the, you know, and and we we you know we we all lift the this boat of HBCU athletics up together uh, in our own different ways, and that's that's what I love. So. Uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Vaughn Wilson, HBCUGameDay.com, as well as Mega Ace Media. Uh, go check out the Black the Second Annual Black Business Expo Tallahassee, uh, February 25th at the Moon. BBEtally.com is where you can register. So, of course, um, you know, make sure to to get out uh, and and go support this weekend. Uh, you can register again online, BBEtally.com bbe.tally.com. So don't let don't let a friend miss this opportunity. Uh, all right, so that's going to do it for the show tonight. And uh, so we appreciate Vaughn for coming in and joining us. Uh, a lot of things that we'll probably talk about maybe on another platform. I know Marcus got a lot of stuff. Kelvin's got. We got a lot of stuff we left on the uh on the in in the notes that we'll try to get to some other form of fashion uh but our our producer says it's time to go so i'm gonna be less winded long-winded here and say thank you to uh vaughn marcus kelvin roy appreciate you rattler nation thank you go check out the bcsm pod zone and uh fangs up rattlers peace out